Welcome back to Cold Pizza. We're happy that you're with us today. Pastor Matt is away shooting animals. In a tree stand. Freezing. Trying to. So I have the sick version of Pastor Matt with me. Hey guys, it's Matt. <laughs> We're happy to have Pastor Jeff with us. Hey <laughs> guys. Um... Today, we're hopping into Hebrews 2, chapter 10 through 13, and we saw yesterday specifically a few primary points, but what we're really seeing is the development um, of what we got started with last week of the incarnation Mm -hmm. and that perfect man, and now we're starting to see how that story plays out. So in chapter 1, we have that superiority thing being primary, and it's continuing here. But we're getting to see it play out, not just in a theological way, but in a story way, biblical theology. Yeah. We get to see it play out from the incarnation and then into the high priesthood and stuff like that. So, Mm. and starting that, Pastor Matt took us through God's sovereign planning, uh, specifically in verse 10. Then the idea that it was fitting to adopt his children. Mm. And then finally, that we can see our highest calling, and that's to run after this forerunner that Jesus is. So... And reflecting on that, we uh, we get a l- we have a few of Matt's notes, but uh, Pastor Jeff and I kind of put our own <laughs> stuff together. As we look at these sermons, uh, particularly even as staff, you, you can hopefully see some of our um, interaction between two not the preachers this week. Yeah, I hope that, that that's kind of helpful um, in just the way that we process things and think about them. But one of the things that he brought up at the front end off of verse 10 that I, I really like is this all things by God. And for God, bringing that out to the front end, and I think that it's super helpful in establishing that biblical theological component uh, that this is a normative thing. As you look at all of these pictures that are unfolding, recognize that this is where it starts. Yeah. So, with this though, are some uh, expected concerns. Even like last week, right? Mm-hmm. You, you saw this kind of built-in challenge. That his well, we don't see it now, but right. We do see Jesus, and then this week we have, you know, there's a, often we have this response to blame God for evil, then instead of thinking yeah. about the majesty and preeminence of all things by God and for God, we mm-hmm. immediately run to the issues. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, of course that's an age-old argument and something that people like to throw out about the sovereignty of God. This is a lot of people's big issue with Reformed theology or Calvinism. You know, the age-old question, well, if God is all-powerful, then he can't be all-good, and, you know, vice versa. And, I mean, I've had so many conversations about that through the years, and there's so many great answers to that. There's so many good biblical answers to that. There's so many smart people who have answered that. And one of the things that has been, I think, helpful to people who have had that question is is for them to um, realize how how um, completely arrogant that <laughs> That uh, statement is, and it's re- never really posed as a question. It is. Very rarely have I met people who are actually really struggling with it, like as in a, I, I, I want this, I want to believe this, and they're really wrestling through it. It's, it's really a rebellious stance. That's the, usually the way I have experienced that question posed. Yeah. And it makes me think of Romans 9, um, and, the, and Paul is kind of like, look, Let's just get down to it. Mm-hmm. Who are you, oh man, to answer yeah. back to God? You know. Yeah, and talking about that passage, I've uh, particularly since I started doing wood turning years ago, to me that has just become so much clearer. I mean, he uses the potter's reference, right? Right. But to me, uh, it's, it's woodworking. So I've got a piece of wood on the lathe, and it's spinning at you know fifteen hundred RPM. 
I'm turning it into something. But yeah. you know what doesn't happen? I cut a piece off, and then from the ground, it's yelling at me like, hey. Right. Hey, wait. Listen I, to me. I went back on the piece. Like, <laughs> right. why did you cut me off? That type right. of thing. Yeah. And, and that's such a the picture of, like, I'm, I'm the creator. I'm developing this thing. Yeah. Uh, I make the choice to for what remains and what goes. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor Matt think, threw in this uh, this quote from Pink. Uh, right. He, he says the response to that, to Jeff's point, uh, <laughs> he says it this way, to such sottish revilings, only <laughs> one reply is forthcoming. Who are you, oh man, mm. to answer back to God? But what does molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Right. And I think that if you don't realize that at the core um, – of your faith, then that, of course, that affects everything else in our day-to-day sanctification as well. It makes me think um, a picture that comes to mind right away is Moses's excuses for not going back to Egypt. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm slow of speech and, um, and so on and so forth. And God says, who made man's mouth? Right. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's this, uh, Hey, let me encourage you that I am the God of the universe. I will be with you. But it's also a, who do you think you are, bro? Right? There's yeah. so many examples of that through the scripture. And so if we don't grasp this at its core and believe this, then then why are we surprised that we struggle day to day when our day doesn't go the way we think it should? Then we kind of, you know, rail and you know, raise our fist to the skies, as it were. And why why are you letting this happen, God? Yep. Yeah. I think people just get the wrong end of that argument. Because so I often. deserve better. Exactly. <laughs> and that exactly because my I was getting ready to say what well, we get the wrong end of the argument. Yeah. And instead of rejoicing as Romans nine goes on to say, mm-hmm. what if yep. God, being rich in mercy, has has preordained certain vessels of honor and dishonor, and so that the vessels of honor could see his love and his kindness and his goodness. So instead of instead of in pride kind of railing against that because we want to have some say in the matter, because it just doesn't seem fair to our little finite minds. Um, and there's no, there's no good reason for us to think the, the way it should be this way. So obviously there's no good reason God would have, right? That's usually our argument. And to your point earlier when we were talking, uh, they're still getting what they want. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm just thankful that God in his mercy and grace has not chosen to take this you know, old lump of clay and just throw it aside because he has sure. every right to do that. Yeah. Every right to do that. Absolutely. Well, the fact that we get to remain then and then still be um, his, his in this position where we recognize that all things are mm-hmm. by God and for God, that leads us into kind of his second component, um, that it was fitting for him to do this. He didn't have to have his arm twisted. Yeah. He didn't do it through gritted teeth. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, I really enjoyed that peer, that part of the sermon. We were listening to, um, my, my wife has been going through First and Second Samuel, I think on repeat for the past year. <laughs> uh, we were listening to the end of Second Samuel, and uh, it was David's uh, kind of farewell address. Yeah. And in there, he's talking about being, about how God gives favor to the man who's upright, who keeps yeah. his law and commandment. And I was getting a little like, man, I can't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I I can't be that, and it, yeah. it's a little depressing in that sense because I realize what I am. But then you have this; it, it's fitting. Yeah, he didn't have to have his arm twisted. No, in my failings for that. Yeah, not the gritted teeth. So yeah. we, we can be family members. We can be sons. Yeah. And so 
when you think about being a family member here, um, it, it seems to go one or the other way. You're either uh, in the family or you feel like the black sheep. Right. When you think about family membership here, uh, what would you have to say first to the black sheep? And then we'll talk about where we should be going. Yeah. Yeah. Before I talk about that, I was just thinking the same thing about that. I can't do that. I'm, I was in Leviticus 26 this morning and it was very cause and effect, very do this and this will happen and honor me. And it's a very detailed list of things that you should do. And then these things will follow. Yeah. And if that feeling of, I can't do that. Right. And then, um, my second reading this morning, starting in the beginning of Luke, uh, as we kind of start thinking about Advent and this anticipation of what is coming and this, okay, it is fitting for yeah. him to come and to do this for us. And it makes me think of Philippians 2. Jesus did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. He didn't mm -hmm. white knuckled, hold on to what rightfully is his, only his, but he let it go. Sure. And he came and put on flesh, which was such a beautiful thing. And I think that's, I think that same attitude, obviously in Philippians 2, that's the same attitude we're supposed to have towards one another. Um, but to answer your question, you know, the, you either feel like a family member or you feel like the black sheep. I think we have to start asking the question in churches today, like how many of our members, even our covenant members, are, are actually believers, yeah. right? And um, I think that's something that we have to assume uh, is an issue every Sunday when we preach, um, when we're doing discipleship, when we're in home groups. I think that that's something that we're going to see more and more uh, of an issue. And I think as the church continues to fall away from orthodoxy, continues to fall away from the truth of the word, a big part of that is, is the people that have been running churches for a long time just aren't believers. They're not Christians. And so I, I always want to start with that assumption and even that question to believers, uh, not in a condemning way or I'm always, you know, you know, waking up worried if I'm a Christian or not. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can hold two things in different hands, right? right. You can have a, a right, you know, concern for the perseverance and legitimacy yeah. on one hand, but also still operate in that familial freedom. Yes. Because there's a danger on the questioning side exclusively to say, well, can I really feel safe with these people? Right. Exactly. Exactly. But we can do both of these. <laughs> yeah, we can do both of them. Exactly. And without without that good tension, without that working out or literally working on your salvation with fear and trembling, um, the, the desire to continue to work on it, not in my own self-justification efforts, but in his strength, is an evidence that I'm a believer, that I have a desire yeah. for more and more of Jesus and less of myself. And I'm, I'm looking at my own heart and I'm asking what the psalmist says, search me and see if there is any wicked way in me, which is something we should ask often. And then I'm relying on the justification of Christ on my behalf. Uh, that's, that's a good tension to live in every single day. And I can rest in that then. Mm -hmm. And I can look and say, okay, my hand is placed on the lamb. Yep. And I can rest in that. And in the same way, as we enter into covenant community, you know, I'm teaching the membership class right now. So this idea of family and covenant and how the truth of the scripture, especially what we're going through as Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king, these major themes through Hebrews, how those like have blue collar, you know, theology and, and application into our church body. Yeah. And I think our commitment to our church body and what we think about covenant community shows so much of what we believe about God. 
but we yeah, uh, believe to be true about God. Um, I mean, and it's as, a battle we fought pretty hard. <laughs> exactly, a battle we fought very hard over here at Christ the Lord, uh, which I'm happy uh, to have fought. Um, and I well, think because it pays these dividends, it, it does. Yeah, and I think we have to have a place that is going to help us hold that same kind of attention mm-hmm. every single day. That that is going to look at us and say, "Is this person a Christian?" Right, and that doesn't always feel safe, mm-hmm. nor should it. Right, when the Holy Spirit of God descends upon us in in new birth, it doesn't feel comfortable. <laughs> right, I remember my con- part, yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember my conversion. It, I don't remember the actual specific moment, but it was a, a, a course of days. Right, mm-hmm. and I was miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, the Holy Spirit like <laughs> fell on me in conviction and was hounding me, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Right. But he got his way as he does. My wife says the same thing. I've mentioned this on the podcast before. Like Brent has often said, though, the presence of God is not always a comfortable feeling. Yeah. Right? And the Old Testament um, people understood that. They were afraid, or very afraid. And when, when, the, when the light shows up on the Damascus Road, right? Yeah. It knocks you off your horse. Yep. And I, I want that, though. Um, I want that kind of a way. And we, want, we should have a community then that holds us in that same kind of uh, good, um, good tension, mm-hmm. a good accountability that is looking at us and affirming, yes, I see you persevering. Yeah. Um, I see you chasing after, Matt's uh, language yesterday, I see you chasing after the forerunner. Mm-hmm. I see your life aligning with your priorities um, for the things that God loves. Yeah. You know, somewhere along the line in the church today, we've forgotten this very simple fact that your belief affects your behavior right or is it, it should that's the whole point folks right yeah what you say you believe then should affect how you live yeah he said yesterday that uh, holy living is downstream from holy worship yeah and I, I thought that it was super i think it was at the end it was, it was, yeah it was that's yeah your belief affects your behavior like these are when we talk about convictions we're talking about what you've built your life on right Right. So as a family member of God, if you don't feel necessarily like a family member, I, I think Matt used, I might get the, the quote uh, wrong a little bit, but he said something to the effect of, if you don't love, or if you don't feel like you're a part of the family, right, then maybe you don't love the things that the family loves. Yeah. Something to that effect, right? And essentially may not be a family member. Exactly. Yeah. That's my point. What I've been saying here for the last few minutes is either you're not a Christian mm-hmm. and you need to become one. Either you have some sin that needs to be repented of, sure, um, or or um, it's not all rainbows and butterflies, mm-hmm. and you're not always going to feel, you know, quote unquote, safe. Um, our iron sharpens iron, <laughs> right? Um, sanctification is a growth process, and as you look at growth in the scriptures and metaphors for growth, it takes something dying for something to be born right that's mm-hmm. the that's the message of the gospel come and die all right yep. and find life and so i think that you're either not a family member you're a family member who needs to repent and believe the gospel uh, and walk in repentance or you just need to persevere mm-hmm. and do your duty even though it doesn't feel like it i'm so blessed by my wife this morning on the phone with her you know coming to work and i said hey how you doing after school drop off, uh, how you feeling physically? She's going through some physical stuff right now with some pain. And she said, um, body, bodily feeling kind of rough, uh, mentally good, spiritually not feeling it so much, but I know I just need to do my duty. Mm. 
and that for her that means she needs to get her scripture out she needs to read through it you know and she needs to fill her mind up with truth yeah even though she doesn't feel like it and she I'll said she literally said i need to do my duty and the feelings will come later mm-hmm. that's part of being a family member yeah and i said even if they don't come do your duty <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right yeah i mean i could talk about bro i could talk about this idea of why i don't feel like a family member for a long time and matt gave some some practical examples of that um a lot of times that comes down to this idea of I, well, I don't feel connected with my church. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I mean, you've heard that. You've been in I, ministry I a long time. I have to say right now. <laughs> right. Um, well, I think the church has trained people in that. It has. So so he was talking yesterday about this. This is uh, point one of point two. Um, I thought I was bad with my chiasm last week, and <laughs> he's got like four points inside of two points. Yeah, I'm not going to um, do that next week, by the way. <laughs> I have three points. Well, so far I have three points. <laughs> Just get your poem. Good Baptist. Yes. So he said, you should think there. of yourselves as a family member. And and what I was thinking is twofold. But first, I think that the church, and when I say the church, I, I say Big Eva, the yeah. churches that we yep. grew up in, they, they want to keep people as sinners rather than to live in freedom. Yeah, and he said uh, pieces of that, and, and what that is though is keeping them dependent. Mm-hmm. What does that sound like to you? Right. The Catholic Church, like yeah. that's accidental papism. Yeah, that's good. If if I can, as the church, can keep you as a sinner mm-hmm. and dependent on, well, technically me, right, for your for your justification, for your ongoing perseverance. Mm-hmm. For your confession, all of these things. Well, I'm just keeping you as a as a, a bonded, in this case, Catholic, right? Right. That's not what we're called to. We're called to actual freedom individually. That's what right. I'm pleading for last week. Right. Yeah. Well, even practically, that's an interesting you say that because even practically, what the Reformation did was open up. Yeah. Freedom, you know, uh, literacy. You know, science. To God directly. Exactly. Yeah. Through this high priest. Yeah. All of a sudden, the farmer's <laughs> like, "Oh, I'm I'm a priest." Yes. Right. Yeah. If I'm a Christian, and yeah, so we keep this dependence. I think. And and then you cloak all of that inside the language, could lingo, because we've had this forever of family. Yeah. Well, now I'm dependent on the family instead of my Christ, mm. my risen, gave me freedom, Christ. Yeah. Yeah, and we have we've I think we've adopted phrases like, "Well, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace." Mm-hmm. And the problem with these kind of things is that's true. Mm-hmm. You are a sinner saved by grace, right? But you've been saved unto Christ. Yes. Right, and you have been uh, justified. The penalty for your sin has been paid, and it's so important. We're talking about this a little bit this Sunday. Um, it's so important to understand that Christ lived a perfect life. Mm-hmm. And so all of my bankrupt account, I can't pay for anything. I'm completely bankrupt. And so it's not just paying for the penalty, but it's imputing his righteousness now. That's why our word vicarious is so important. Yes, yes, exactly. And now all of a sudden I look into my once bankrupt account and all of the perfect righteousness of Jesus has now been credited to that. Yeah. And now that what that means is though, is that and what it should mean and produce in me is good works, mm-hmm. righteousness and holiness. That oh now I am a new creature with new affections and new desires. I'm no longer ignorant, and I can because of what Christ has suffered and done, 
He is able to help, and he has given me that help. Made me. Therefore, go. Yeah. Go and do. Yeah, that's one of my concerns with our text yesterday is in verse 10, if you read the NIV, it says he has made just sons and daughters. Mm-hmm. And the daughters thing is a contemporary thing. Yeah. Uh, not to go too uh, Christian transgender on you, but ladies, <laughs> you're sons. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to this picture of Look how progressive we are. Yeah, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> All of you, all at once. You are sons, and, and the sonship component matters because when he makes a son, that yeah. means you have, you own. Yeah, you're an heir. Inheritance. Yeah. And so for him to not just bring you into the family, but to give you Christ, to join you to him, and then to give you his inheritance, yeah. what's his is yours. Yeah. Because he said specifically yesterday at one point, it's not like, Christ gets his inheritance and then you get leftovers or pieces right. or a different inheritance. It's yeah. not that. We have his. No, you sit at the table. Yeah. All of his is ours. And yeah. so to be a son in that sense is to, is particularly to a book written to Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, is saying all of this, yours. Yes. You're yeah. all, all the way in the family. You have yeah. all of what your forerunner has. Yeah. Now chase him. Yeah. And it's... And I think this is the people don't realize this or grasp when we don't grasp this, this is why our our lives are tossed to and fro. Mm-hmm. You know, during the week. We this is what produces Sunday morning Christians, you know. Because they're in and out of this. So they're because they're in and out of it, exactly. They don't grasp the whole thing. Which again has to go back to the are you if you don't feel like a family member, if you don't feel like you've that that uh that you've been made a family member by the blood of Jesus then are you, right? Yeah, and that's a difficult one because it, it, it comes back to, to that question of worship for me. If sure. I'm in and out, it's usually because of this worship thing. But it is, to your point, it is a value thing. What am I, yeah. what am I worshiping, valuing? Yeah, and, and Matt talked yesterday about the priorities. Often we only ask the question, how does this affect me? Yeah. Right, and that is so, um, that was such a, a, a potent, like I could get a hold of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, even today, this morning, I've been pondering how often in every tiny decision that I make, is that my first thought? How does this affect me? Mm-hmm. Versus uh, how does this affect God? What I believe about him should be affecting the way I live. And so my priorities, my passions, all of these things have to come underneath uh, and be subject to that. And I think that's often so many times why we don't feel connected or we don't feel like a family member is because our priorities have not been to love the things that God loves. Yeah. Right. Or, or they're not necessarily bad things, but they've gotten too high up on the priority list. Yeah. Cause I can walk into some of that too. Where I, I live to not be in conflict. Right. <laughs> Which is not the greatest thing. So I think often about how the thing, what the, what the things that I do, how they will affect other people. Like that's, yeah. that is pretty top tear for me but it's not <laughs> right in line with this it is how can i do things in such a way that other people won't get mad at me right <laughs> right that's that's not you're in the wrong job for that man that's the truth <laughs> yes uh but like i mean with my marriage even with my kids with with you guys it's very easy for me to potentially look more pious mm. than it really is sure because uh, it, it goes back to that worship and motivation. What am I actually considering this other person for? Yeah, yeah. I think that we've this. You know, interesting. You were saying earlier this um, keeping people as sinners. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and this the Catholic Church has kind of really perfected that, and the Protestant Church then just kind of took that sinner saved by grace and ran with it. it was really just an excuse uh, to stay in your sin, yep. or, or hey, hey, give me a break, you know, I'm really trying here, <laughs> which is completely different than actually bearing with people, sure. right? In yes. their sanctification, <laughs> like that's not what you're asking me to do. You're asking me to turn a blind eye, yeah. right? You're asking me to give you a, a big fat excuse here, um, and you, it's interesting today. I think. I don't hear that language as much anymore, but what I do see in the churches today, well, it's rampant in the culture, but it's so much in the church right now as well, because the church of America especially always just seems to follow the world, which is stupid. You know, you think that you can win the world by being like the world. The world's always going to do it better, right? Yep. It's uh, always going to do it better. It's a champ at doing that. Yep. But You're the, the great value version. Right. It's the self... Uh, yeah, exactly. You're a dollar, cheap dollar store version. It's... um. The self-care movement mm -hmm. has kind of replaced, I think, this sinner saved by grace where we spend more time talking about our church's quote-unquote safe places mm -hmm. than places um, that exalt the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, people are going to make arguments, well, being a safe place is a part of how we exalt the person and work of Jesus Christ. Tell that to the blood-soaked tabernacle. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You walk into the front gate and there's a horror show. Yeah, exactly. I'm, back then, our jobs would have just been being butchers. You know, yeah, I could get behind that. Yeah, I could get behind that too. Um, but that is, that is, I think, a culture in which we live where we can say to people who are not running after the forerunner, Mm-hmm. And it's seen in that their priorities are their life, uh, just to have, what did Matt say, just to have enough, oh, help me out here. It was like having enough um, means and money and so on, so oh, I yeah. can kind of you know, be at peace and make my own yeah. you know, decisions and so on, which is such an, a stupid American thing, mm -hmm. uh, kind of that stupid American dream. I just want to be able to have no hardships in my life and have enough stuff so I don't have to think about that much. and. Yeah, well, Jesus suffered about for my me, life. right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And I think that we, we look at people that are not running hard after the forerunner, and it's seen in their life priorities and so on, and we don't want to press too hard on them because mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're afraid of scaring them away or something. We're really just afraid of speaking the truth to them. Oh, yeah. Um, and we want to create you know safe places. And there's such this exaltation of the self and... So it's an exaltation of caring for oneself. I was seeing something recently from a pastor on his social media, um, you know, telling people, don't worry about, stop putting so much pressure on you to end the uh, year well, um, and, you know, New Year's resolutions and so on. They're so stupid. And I could say amen to some of that in the beginning because obviously, you know, I fall into the perfectionism. Uh, sure. self-justification but the problem was was the answer wasn't good news the answer yeah. to that in the rest of the comment wasn't um it was not now look to jesus mm -hmm. right and press forward and run a little bit faster after the forerunner right yeah. in his righteousness it was care for yourself give yourself a break there was rest mm -hmm. but rest has kind of been hijacked from for this like just this self exaltation, self glorification, self comfort, instead of emphasizing rest is to trust God, right? Rest is to to hone my my uh, desire more and more to trust Him and to rely yes. upon Him. And so I could get I don't need to go off on a tangent there, but 
I think it's really important that we see these kind of subtleties and we see these in the priorities of people's lives and the church is not pressing hard after um, family members mm -hmm. to run after the forerunner, to understand that um, they've been set free from the penalty or they've been the penalty of sin has been prayed for and they've been set free now to walk in newness of life and righteousness so so go do it right? like my dad always used to say go live like a child of the king mm -hmm. right go do it and this goes back to our one of our distinctives with cultural maximalism and the idea of that um, great house at the center go and take the land yeah yeah go back out yeah go take the land yeah I, you know, I could say a lot more. I don't want to hijack the whole podcast, but Matt's not here, so I'm just going to talk. Well, there's that, and you have Sunday, right? So this is true. I have Sunday, so I'm all getting, <laughs> I'm getting all fired up. Um, but I do. Let me say a few practical pieces, maybe about. You know, Matt said some really good practical pieces about this idea of family member in the sermon yesterday. Yeah. And I, why you don't maybe feel like you're a family member, and I've heard that you know as a pastor, my whole. Um, time of being a pastor mm -hmm. vocational ministry um well i don't feel connected i don't feel connected which is funny because you know it just makes Those me think people tend to plant a lot of seeds yeah generally in your experience because no. i don't i don't see them planting no no is it the same thing as last week we neglect the common graces of god mm. We give little thought to the things of God. That's how we, we lack in uh, right. seeing God, as we talked about last week. Right. This week, the, the idea of sowing little seeds, if you're not giving yourself to the family, yeah. then what do you expect? <laughs> right. And you, you say, I don't have anything in common with these folks. Well, that's... The, that's worse <laughs> exactly <laughs> right like i need but that's the, what you bought into the world's mentality of i have to have my people group now, there's nothing wrong with having things that you, know, you and i enjoy smoking pipe you know yep. um and we enjoy good whiskey mm -hmm. you know and we enjoy talking about sports those are things we have in common right but um if if uh, i'm i'm gonna bite the world's lie to say that that's the only people that I should associate with. The gospel brings together this very diverse group of people um, and makes us friends and makes us family. And I think that that has such a huge piece um, in our... In because our, these other churches that are functional papists are uh, then yeah. offering what? Programs right. to fill all of those voids and needs at no cost to you. Yeah, we bought this lie. I think I heard Al Mohler say this once. We bought this lie that when we show up to church, everybody has their own room that they go to <laughs> that is specific to their age and their gender. That's the pressure I felt on leading youth ministry at my former place. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's consumerism that we buy into. How can this church serve me? I come here to get a service. Mm -hmm. And then I leave and I don't uh, practice these things. Instead of taking ownership for the church, we expect the leaders of that church to do it all. Yep. Right. And I, I mean, I could talk about young people or singles or so on and so forth. I just mentioned a few, you know, I think that, you know, if young people don't feel connected and young people need to uh, stop, stop looking for um, life to serve them. Mm -hmm. Um, and because, uh, you know, they've grown up and they're maybe just now starting to get ready to, to hop the nest and go off into life. And so they've been being served by their family yeah. and by their church family. That's cool. And they have this mindset towards the church. Then how, how can the church serve me as I'm being sent off? And the church is supposed to equip them. 
But I think a question that young people need to ask is, how can I serve this church with the rest of my life? Meaning, I think the, the young person's first question about their local church should be, how uh, can I stay local? Yeah. How can I stay here, find somebody in this church to marry, have kids here, and maybe one day, you know, be an elder here, or one day teach a Sunday school here, or Absolutely. or whatever. And um, but instead of that, we've we've just developed you know programs where we entertain kids. Yeah, it's, it's it's not even how can I give my life to this place. It's how can I give my life to this people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, singles, singles. I ask that same question. Well, yeah, the only and young marrieds. Yeah, it's same thing. I always say for singles, like <laughs> singles should just go get married and have kids. That's what singles need to be doing is going getting to have kids. In that um, order, but yes. And until they do, just be the first ones to volunteer for literally everything in the church. <laughs> this is the thing is like when I think back to even planting renovation, I I met Jess, I mean, at our first meeting, but it mm. took us a little while to, to get together and then get married. But at that point in my, and in my ministry the previous you know, five years, is some of the most free time yeah. some of the most low cost time of my life like take the opportunity while you can to to give then yeah. and and those those payments if you will those that cost then for me has paid dividends that you would expect in a 15 year return right yeah, right I, I, i'm reaping those things now yeah be, but we put in the work back then yeah and so don't wait till your kids until you have kids to start you know doing these things cuz you it's a lot harder than there is right. no time. <laughs> right. And then, like, don't wait till they're gone. Right. Start now. Yeah. I mean, I've been so blessed by um, a particular uh, older saint in our church who has been here since I've been here and has been a part of this church for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and they are they're so faithful and committed and they're not. They're not asking people to, you know, uh, prioritize them and make them a special elderly saints group. They're looking <laughs> for ways to disciple younger women. No, it's a lady. Um, and it's really beautiful to see. And I, that's that I'm committed to these people yeah. because my priorities in my life is centered around chasing after the forerunner who has made me a part of the family of God. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, I love it. That's super helpful. I got one more thing to say about that. I, let me speak real quick to to empty nesters in our church. Yeah, uh, I've seen this. You know, growing up in a pastor's home, my dad's—I've mentioned this on the podcast before. My dad's in the same place for forty-five years, wow. so I've been able to see. Yeah. you know, uh, people grow up, get married. Like he's literally yeah. seen people grow up, married them, and you know, done baby dedications for their babies. You know, which <laughs> is what I hope to do here. Yeah, uh, stay here awesome. a long time. But I saw a lot of empty nesters there, and I see empty nesters in our, our church here. You know, so their kids are grown up and gone. And there's this, like, um, there can be in empty nesters a loss of identity. You know, I was yeah. a parent. Um, sometimes that can happen in, you know, a loss of identity or connection in your marriage. Like, you were together as parents, but then you now all of a sudden, it's just the two of you again. That's a different podcast. Husband and wife again. Right. Like, oh, which should have been the priority all along, right? <laughs> but in the church, then all of a sudden, it's like now I, I've got time that I didn't have, mm -hmm. but I, I'm i struggling to find a place to feel connected. Yeah. And there's many, many, many things I could say about this. I think midlife crisis crap comes into this and, <laughs> you know, all sorts of things. 
But again, it's it's the same thing I would say to young people or single people. Now all of a sudden you have more of an opportunity to mm-hmm. jump in and serve. Now you have an opportunity to, for if you're a woman, to be um, teaching and admonishing the younger women, men to be doing that for young men, to raising them up. Uh, to We need older men and women of the faith to help us mm-hmm. as, we're, as we're growing. But I think some of the reasons we don't feel connected is because sometimes I saw, especially in my dad's church uh, over that period of time, you saw people when they were in my life stage with little kids or even with teenagers, they prioritized the wrong things. So the family of God wasn't the priority. Uh-huh. Sports was on Sunday mornings or you know their kids' school stuff or, or their jobs or whatever. And, and they spent all this time kind of wandering around with the wrong priorities. And then now all of a sudden those things are gone. You know, your kids are no longer doing soccer on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. So now Sunday mornings you go back to church, but don't you feel, you don't feel connected? Well, that might be because you weren't there very much. Maybe you're just reaping what you have sown. Surprise. Right. And so I think that, it, but instead of... That's only a surprise to you. Exactly. But instead of trying to find some kind of a new identity, instead of trying to find some kind of a a new ministry, just just repent mm-hmm. and admit that maybe you wasted some time. And that might not be the case, right? Mm-hmm. But maybe it is. Well, the danger is that you'll continue to go on wasting time. This is true. Yeah. And, and, and jump in hook, line, and sinker to what the church is already doing. And look around. If you just lift up your eyes a little bit and look around, uh, you'll find places to serve. And and starting with, with uh, the younger generation and uh, and serving them and helping to bring them up in the Lord. So I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there, but well, I think you bring it to a good point. So his fourth point and the second one is that your place is to be a sibling. So even if you're an older brother or sister, yeah, and you've already moved on from your children. You're still a sibling, yeah. and and I really appreciate this because I, I see that this next phrase all over the place at our church is that it's a privilege to be a Christian brother to another Christian brother. It is. And so that's what you get to then go run in. That's what you get to be free in. Yeah. You can, you can rest in that while you work. Mm. You can work in that while you rest. That idea of it being a privilege to be here and to have the brothers and sisters that you do have yeah. is huge. I mean, and, and I know that People who have had familial struggles uh, with their blood family will probably appreciate this a little bit more. Right. Um, I've come to appreciate this in new ways with different things in my yeah. family. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I see this all over the place in our eldership. I see this among the men in our church and the cohort. I see this among uh, our ladies. This is this is all over the place. Mm. And so if you're not feeling that right in this place, then spend some time here. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> like that's all you have to do. Right. What is it? The King James uh, version, uh, Proverbs twenty. No, Proverbs eighteen twenty four. He who hath friends must show himself fr- to be friendly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, it's a very practical wisdom. <laughs> like maybe you don't feel connected because you don't show up yep. <laughs> to connect with people. Right. Yeah. You know that brotherhood and sisterhood. Though, I gave this. I, I said something about this in the sermon or the. Uh, well, yeah, the second sermon, we call it, the communion devotion. Uh, you know, Brandon Jacob is getting baptized this Sunday, mm-hmm. which is super exciting. And he and I were remarking on this last week. He's also in the membership class and saying, just kind of recalling last year when he, you know, by his, by his, uh, first, his first go around of the uh, story was, I just kind of stumbled upon this. And now he's like, God specifically <laughs> brought me here. Um at these times for this purpose. Um, 
and a guy that, and I said, a guy that I would have never known mm-hmm. if God's sovereign plan had not brought him here, that he might be born again, mm-hmm. um, and, and brought two guys that don't have a lot of common mm-hmm. together and made us brothers. And I have a stronger bond with him uh, as a brother in Christ and soon to be a covenant family member yeah. than I do with my actual flesh and blood, mm-hmm. you know, brothers. And it's a beautiful thing uh, to see. And uh, I think something that we so often take for granted and don't don't take advantage of enough. Like the, what a beautiful picture of God's grace um, that is present before us every single day in the body of Christ that we just don't access. Yeah, well, it takes more than just Sunday. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And all because of our paterfamilias. <laughs> all I could think of was, oh, brother, we're out though. Oh, brother, we're out though. Entire, Clooney. Entire sermon. <laughs> just, <laughs> you should have just yelled that out. We could have said that at the benediction. Should have, yeah. End. And all God's people said. Paterfamilias. <laughs> Straight up George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I appreciate you helping fill in today, Pastor Jeff. And yes, happy uh, to. Look forward to having you on again next week because you're the preacher. That's right. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm really excited about um, coming into the Christmas season and Advent. And I'm pretty sure we didn't plan it this way. But basically, the end of Chapter 2, we're getting into Advent. It wasn't like outright planned. It was happy. Well, it was. That at, was you know, God is sovereign. Well, it, everything is by God and for God. Exactly. So, yes. Well done. Wow. Segways. <laughs> Coming back around. Yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys joining us today. Thanks for uh, for sticking with us. And we want to encourage you, as always, to go know, love, and obey Jesus the Christ as Lord over all. Yeah. See you guys next week. Next week.